this is what we do, and this series will be, uh, I think, a defining series for our church. This is what we do, all right? This is what we do. Why? Because we want to be like Jesus. That's why. And so, um, grateful for the welcome that Harvest would give anyone and want to, this is by no way a rebuke or uh, a corrective, want to just kind of say, hey, this is what we're all going to do, right? This is what Christ would do in love. Um, We've spent a lot of times in the last five years uh, talking about who we are, right? We're a vertical church, right? You've all read this book. If you haven't read this book, you can pick one out up uh, in the lobby. I don't know if we charge for it or not. I'm not sure, whatever, but it, it, you know, it's yours. And read it. This is who we are, right? We're a vertical church, and uh, y- you know, we have all these pillars and mission and all these different things, and we have a doctrinal statement online. This is what we believe. But we haven't spent a lot of time talking about this is what we do, right? This is what we do. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks, take a little break from Acts, and we're going to talk about this is what we do. As a church, together, we, we, okay, this is what we do. And so um, today we're going to focus on the first one, which is welcome without judgment. We welcome without judgment. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50 is where I'll be. It's hard to just rip open the Bible. There's context to this. If you go back to a chapter before, um, Jesus says, in chapter 6, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you measure it, it will be measured back to you. The Bible's pretty clear on this point. Uh, The way you forgive others, the way you uh, respond to others, is the way that God says he'll respond to you. And, uh, you know, um, this is particularly hard for me, uh, a guy who's a perfectionist and uh, um, has the spiritual gift of discernment. Discernment and judgment are very close. And so uh, it's easy to judge people and to be harsh and to, like, why can't you get it? Uh, on the other hand, we want to be discerning, right? There are times where we do judge people. Um, Jesus said that several times in Scripture, where we pick the fruit on the tree, right? We don't cast our pearls before swine. So you, then you have to discern who's swine and who's not, right? Like, there are times of discernment, but what we're talking about is judgment. Maybe it'd be good just to define our terms here, welcome. Welcome means to receive the presence of another with appreciation, okay? You're here today, and I'm really appreciating that you're here today. I haven't got a chance to meet every one of you. I think that's why we do step one, honestly, is so that I can appreciate you more for coming and get face-to-face and say, thanks so much. really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, out of your life, your busy life, to come and, and to hear the Word of God and to interact with people who love you deeply. Um, and then welcome... Uh, receive the presence of another with appreciation. This last one, judgment, right? Without judgment. Well, what is judgment? Judgment is a negative assessment of another person based upon a superficial sense of superiority. I think I'm better than you, <laughs> right? And so I'm going to tell you what I think. Yeah, exactly, right? That's been my week. It's just, 
hurts a little bit, right? Because we do that. We do that. And so I'm just going to exhort us, church, today that we would welcome everyone without judgment, okay? We want this to be a place that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you have, little, much, doesn't matter, no matter what you look like, no matter what your darkest, darkest secret is, no matter what, this is a place that you will be welcomed without judgment. That's what we do. All right? Pretty clear? All right, let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Father, you know my weakness in this area, in all areas of life, honestly. You know my frailty. So God, um, control me through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Please, God. Let the words that are spoken be from you. Lord, I know in my own flesh I would judge each person here based on a variety of factors. And uh, they would judge me. But God, we want so badly to love deeply and to welcome without judgment. Would you change our hearts? Would you refine our thinking? Would you give us this day from the daily bread that you have for us? Thank you for people, Luke, that wrote it down. And thank you um, that we can read it together and change us by your power. In Jesus' blood and name, amen. So we're in Luke chapter 7. Let me just read the story for you, and then I'm going to give you four thoughts, four uh, things from the passage, principles really. Verse 36, uh, Luke 7, you there? Okay, good. One of the Pharisees asked to eat with him. Okay, now hold on. Like, <laughs> when, we, when we read the scriptures, you got to kind of get into it, right? So one of the Pharisees. If I say one of the Pharisees, what are you thinking? Uh, right? I mean, so you might want to just like, just let it out. It's, it's okay. It's that kind of church where you can just kind of say how you're feeling. All right? So, so one of the Pharisees, all right, all right, the worst of the worst, asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's yeah, house and reclined at the table. I mean, he sat at the guy's table. This is crazy. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, nine words to say prostitute, literally, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, a stone flask uh, full of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman 
that this is that is touching him, for she is a sinner. Do you think Jesus knew? Do you think Jesus knew who it was? Do you think Jesus knows who you are? Yeah, he does. He does. He just flat out does. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. That'll get your attention when Jesus has something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. That's a good thing. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, uh, about 20 to 24 months wages, two years worth of wages today. And the other 50, so about two to three months worth of wages, 10 times as much, okay? Both owed a lot, but 10 times as much. When they could not repay, I want you to circle that in your Bible. I want you to take that phrase and I want you to highlight it, star it, do something. That is a key phrase in the passage. Do you, do I understand that we cannot pay? Right? But both of these guys got that fact. I can't pay for it. I owe too much. It's never going to happen if it depends on me. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose, I'm kind of hedging my bets, for whom he canceled the larger debt. I mean, Jesus could have said, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? But Jesus, in such a loving way, right, is just like, Hey, you, you judged rightly. It's probably the best thing a Pharisee could hear. You judge rightly. He's like, yep, that's me. <laughs> then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, that's really key. He's looking at the woman, so is Simon, but he's talking to Simon. He says, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Look at her. Look at what she's doing right now. Look at who she is in this moment. I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. Customary greetings. But she was, has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Another customary greeting. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. Customary greeting when you came to somebody's house. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are underlined many. <laughs> her sins, my sins, many are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He's trying to get Simon's attention. He's trying to get him to get it. He's casting the attention on the woman. He's saying, take a look. No, look deeper. I know what you think you know, but look again. And then he's inviting him with this story and this phrase to that deeper thing to that forever love. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. 
So if you grew up in the church like I did, that can be a real problem for you, right? Because you grow up in the church, you're like, of course God saved me. Like God saves people in the church, and I'm in the church. I'm a church kid, and God should save me. That was a good plan for God. And it just gets weird, right? It gets really self-righteous and weird. I grew up in the church. You probably grew up in a church. If you didn't, praise the Lord. <laughs> but then I'm really grateful for the upbringing too. So it's a double-edged sword both ways. Either way, our sins are forgiven. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? I mean, who in the world is this? Who does this? Who says this? Who is this? Who even forgives sins? It's God. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Remember, salvation comes through faith and faith alone. I think that is the hardest thing for church people to understand because we get kind of confused about what we do and what we bring to the table. It's by faith alone. It's by Jesus Christ, his blood, his sacrifice, his pursuing us, his coming after us, his redemptive work that we are saved. All right, these four things real quickly now. Here's the first thought. Jesus Christ welcomes all who come to him. Jesus Christ welcomes all who come to him. Just think about that statement. Are you here today? Say yes. Yes, I am. Are you part of all? Yes. Yes, you are. Je Jesus welcomes all who come to him. You came today. Did you come for Jesus? Did you come for you? Sometimes we do that. Did you come to serve? Did you come for somebody else? When Jesus welcomes all who come to him, for him, right? You look at who he welcomed in the story, look at the Pharisee first. I mean, I've already made this pretty clear uh, through many teachings, but Jesus uh, is, is going to a guy's house who is antagonistic against him, right? Uh, Pharisees are legalistic. They're the worst of the worst. Jesus said of the Pharisees, they are blind guides leading. I don't follow blind guides. People that don't see where they're going, you never follow them right off the cliff, right? Jesus said of them, they are whitewashed tombs. You clean the outside so it looks all shiny, but on the inside you're rotten, dead man's bones. I mean, this is who he's talking to. This is who's inviting him to dinner. It's astounding that he decides to go. In Matthew 23, it says, woe, right? As in judgment is coming. That's what that means. So, will Jesus judge? Yes, he is the judge, and he's a righteous judge. We are not. We should not judge. Let him be the judge. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, seven times. I mean, these guys are like his arch enemy, right? At least they think so. But he says, will you come to my house for dinner? And Jesus is like, yep, be right over. Be right over. 
And it says he was reclining at table, right? He went to the guy's house to eat with him. He's reclining at table. You're kind of like, what does that mean? Right? Well, let's think Middle East. It's warm climate, right? Does heat rise or fall? It rises, right? So they wanted to get as low as possible. All right, so no high back chairs, no, no high top tables. They're like on the ground, right? If I ever get to come over to your house, I won't do that, okay? <laughs> Speaking of coming over to the house, that's pretty personal, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't happen every day, right? Just think about it. I mean, I've known you guys for what? Three, four years? Never been to my house. I've never been to your house. I mean, not that we wouldn't want to come. Like, we could come today if you wanted. <laughs> I mean, not that, I mean not, that, not that I'm asking or anything. But, but, I mean, it's such an intimate, it's such a personal deal, right? It's, it's kind of a big deal to go to somebody's house. It's like you put out your best food. Like, I like lasagna. I don't just, just saying. Like you put out your best food and you, uh, you know, you kind of get after it, right? Like you clean the house, it's spotless and everything's got to be on point, on plan. If it goes off the tracks, it's going to go crazy, right? Mama's not going to be happy. Well, look at verse 37. And behold, that's the Bible's way of saying, watch this, right? Look at this. Look at what happens next. And behold, a woman of the city. That's not a woman of Rochester, okay? That's a woman of the world. That's what that means, right? That's not like, that's not like oh, she's from that city. No, it's like she's of the world. The Bible's really clear, but not graphic. And it, it continues. It says, who was a sinner, right? Nine words to say this lady is a prostitute. She's selling herself. When she learned that he was reclining at table, Jesus, in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flax of ointment. So it's one thing Jesus goes to the legalistic Pharisee's house and sits with him, right? Eats dinner with him. It's another thing when the lady shows up at his feet. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What are you going to do now? And he welcomes her warmly. Warm welcome is essential. We welcome whoever wants to come here. No person looks wrong, has the wrong story, or has the wrong amount or the wrong stuff, is the wrong race. No way has the wrong background? I don't think so. No person is wrong for here. That's what we do. Why? Because of Jesus. Because the love of Christ transcends everything. We have more in common if we have Jesus in common than anything on the other side of the scale. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It just is. It's a flat surface. Nobody's up and nobody's down. 
We're all on our face before Christ, right? At the cross. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one, every one of us, that means you, that means me, to his own way. We got our own plan about how it's going to go when we have people over. It's got to go this way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God laid our sin on Jesus Christ. Jesus welcomes you and all your sin. And his shoulders are broad enough to carry it all. He'll take it as far as the east is from the west. And you'll never see it again. That's a good deal. And that's why we welcome anyone and everyone who will come to Jesus Christ. Here's two other verses I think are really important. Proverbs 3, 7. Just make a note of these. Maybe write them down, study them. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Let's just stop right there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's a key phrase. And uh, I don't really have to break that down for you, do I? I mean, I, I mean it's pretty self-explanatory. And the counterpart to that is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Look at this. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, what is it? Count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourselves. So this, this thing happened to me again this week that happens to me quite often, and that is somebody cut me off in traffic, right? But this week I was studying the word, you know, on we welcome without judgment. And so I was like, yeah, of course, right? Like, yeah, come on in. Of course, what was I doing there? No, you should be there. <laughs> Thank you for taking care of that problem. I don't know what I was thinking, right? But that's kind of how we should act. Who could do that? Who can do that? But that's what we're going for. You before me, right? Mentality. That's what we're going for. You must be better than me. You must be. Of course you are. Of course you should have that place. Of course you should be in that seat. Of course you should come to our church. Of course you should. We want you to be here. The second thing, verse 38 and 39. Religious hypocrites offer only selective welcome with judgment. You have the Pharisee who's self-righteous and you have the woman who's a sinner and you have me thinking, who am I? And why don't I get out of my bubble a little bit more, right? Why? Why don't I get out of my bubble just a little bit more? Why don't I go and quit hanging with my little club and go and get out, right? Well, this might be why. Sometimes I'm just a religious hypocrite. Religious hypocrites offer only selective welcome with judgment. You have the woman here. Look at verse 38. And standing behind him at his feet. Verse 
So she's full of shame. You go, where'd you get that? She, she's standing behind him at his feet. <laughs> and she's weeping, right? So she's not feeling good about herself. Who let her in? Right? Well, it's not like our house where the doors are locked, right? It's open air, you know, and when they had a meal like this, people would gather around the outside and watch, right? You're like, wow. I think that adds to the, the Pharisees' Phariseeness, right? That adds to it. It's like, wait, look, come, come. All y'all come. Be, the, be in the stands for my dinner, right? And uh, it just was like that. But what kind of boldness would it take for a woman, this kind of woman, a woman like you and me, a sinner, right, to come to Jesus? Well, there's many people that say, uh, she probably had heard Jesus preach and say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it still took courage, but she knew Jesus. She knew the character of Christ, and so she came. She came, and she was behind him at his feet, and she was weeping. And you know she must have been weeping pretty hard because his feet were getting wet. I mean, how many times have you cried like that in your lifetime? That, that grieved me a little bit this week. It's like, how many times have I cried like that over my own sin? I'm so grieved, right? And she was grieving. She was overtaken with her own sin. She began to weep profusely and to water his feet and then she's like oh man i'm getting them wet right and she takes her hair why not her clothes i don't i don't know she takes her hair and she wipes his feet with her hair how disheveled she must have looked and began to kiss his feet and anoint them with the ointment that she brought Here's the point, though. Now, when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited Jesus, saw this, right? Isn't it true? When we see something, we're like, oh, I know. I got that. Yep, you are. Uh-huh. And he judges her, and he judges Jesus, but he doesn't do it out loud. Is that like you? And me or what? Right? Like, I'm not just going to come out with it. Man, you look fat. What's wrong with you? Right? I'm not just going to come out with that. Right? You keep that stuff in your head. Man, you look different than me. Look at all those piercings. Look at all those tattoos. People are like, man, you look white. Right? What's wrong with you? You know? Like, we don't just say that. We don't just say that. What do we do? We keep it in our we keep it in because it's politically correct if it's in, right? You're thinking it, man. It's cancer to your soul when you're thinking it and you're not saying it. And he's thinking it. And the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet. So he was trying to figure it out. Is this God? Is this not? Is this a prophet? Is this not? I'll have him over to dinner. I'll figure it out. 
he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who touched him, for she is a sinner. I'm judging her, she's a sinner, and I'm judging you, you're not who you say you are. Selective, isn't it? It's awful selective. And I'm grieved by how selective I am. But the most wrong thing about this, there's a lot of things wrong about this, by the way. But I think the thing that is the most wrong, the greatest evil, is the wrong assessment of himself. Right? He's not assessing himself well. It's not so much that he's throwing Jesus under the bus or that he's throwing the lady under the bus. He's not assessing himself well. That's why he has the wrong perspective. So we, we need to be cultured by that. How do I see myself? What do I say to myself about myself? Self, you're pretty good. That idea was astounding. That was the best idea I ever heard. Without listening to others' ideas or trying to understand them. Our response should be, I'm no better. I should know better that I am no better, right? I'm that man. I'm that woman. I'm the one with the pornography addiction, right? With the sinful attitude, with the, you fill in the blank, fill in your own stuff, with the pride problem. I'm the one. And so if you can't look at somebody else and see your own sin, it becomes a problem. We become self-righteous, religious hypocrites who offer only selective welcome without, with judgment. Our sin might be different in the specifics. Your sin and my sin? Yeah, probably is. There's some sin that's more gross than other sins. Would you agree? I mean, sin inside the body, sin outside the body. There's, there's different levels of sin. So, so, but sin is all the same in this that it prevents you from going to heaven and that it sends you to hell. We're not worthy. I'm not better than you. And you're not better than me. We're not better than other people who aren't here today. Unless by better you mean the grace of God's been poured out on us. And I've received something that I didn't deserve. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him, right? He's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, this next thought, and this is really exciting. I hope that you fall on this number three. Forgiven sinners are broken over their own need. Forgiven sinners are broken over their own need for Jesus Christ, for his welcome. You see it in the story. Pick up in verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Here's the story. Here it is. Learn the lesson from this story. He says, uh, a certain moneylender, let me just tell you a parable, had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. It's a lot. It's impossible for most of us to pay two years wages. It would take you the rest of your life to pay that back. 
And then there's another guy who had 50. It's like, yeah, that might be manageable. Maybe I can pay back two months or three months worth of debt. I could probably get out from under that. But both of these people came to this conclusion, and I believe it's the conclusion that we all need to come to today. It is this. Circle it, underline it in your Bible. When they could not pay. How many times had they gone to the collector and been like, no, nah, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up at church next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start serving the Lord, I'm going to start tithing, I'm going to, 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 right? But this time instead of I'm going to, it's like I can't. So could you? I can't do it. I've tried. Haven't you tried? To get to church every week? Haven't you tried to read the Bible again this week? Haven't you tried to serve the Lord with gladness? Haven't you tried to be vulnerable at small group? Haven't you tried tithing? Right? It's like, oh, man. Man. It's not about us trying harder. It's about us trusting God more. When they could not pay, have you come to that realization? Have you admitted to yourself, I am broken and I need Christ's welcome? That's the key. That's the key to extending the same welcome to other people is feeling that brokenness in your own heart and life. He canceled the debt of both which one of them loves him more? They all love him a ton, right? But honestly, I got out of ministry for a year, right? But some pastors didn't get out of ministry for a year because of a pornography addiction and didn't think they were ever getting back into ministry, right? I love the Lord a ton for all he's done and all he's restored, Right? And you could easily be the Pharisee and go, of course he should. Of course he should forgive me. I haven't done as much as the last guy. But the perspective needs to change. Why would he forgive me? Because he's God. And he made you to have a relationship with him. He loves you. That's why he forgave you. Simon answered, the one I suppose uh, for whom canceled the larger debt. Yes, yes, yes. And again, I I think Jesus could have just been like, duh. But he wasn't. He was like, yeah, you're right. Yes, you are right. Good job. He's encouraging him to the gospel. Simon's not picking up the breadcrumb trail. He's not getting it. Then turning towards the woman. So I'm going to seal the deal now on what you need. So I'm going to look at the woman. And I'm going to say to you, look. Do you see this woman? Do you see the woman in the story? What do you see of her? That she's a woman of the world? That she's a sinner? Is that what you see? That was nine words. The rest of the story is her weeping profusely over her sin, her wiping the feet of Jesus Christ, her kissing his feet, kissing the feet of Jesus Christ, her anointing his feet with perfume. Nine words about her sin 
many words the rest of the story about how she needs Christ, how she wants Christ, how she's coming towards Christ in faith. Do you see this woman? Can you get past her reputation, her past? Do you see her, Simon? She's broken. Do you see her brokenness? She's repentant. She's asking for help and forgiveness. She's acting on her need for Jesus Christ. She's seeking Jesus. Do you see that in the passage? She's following Christ. She's facing her own sin, and she's finding forgiveness. That's astounding. So this is the key. This is really where the rubber makes the road. My sense of how much I've been forgiven is the measurement for how I treat other people. How I view the forgiveness I've been given is how I'm going to treat other people. Oh, that hurts a bit. Maybe I don't think I'm forgiven as much as I am. Maybe that's why I'm judging others still. The sense of my own righteousness, my self-righteousness, the stinking righteousness is what heightens my judgment of others. So we should be captured by how much we need Jesus and stop judging others by our own standard. Every person here hearing my voice in this room right now on video, every person here is either the Pharisee who thinks he is better than Jesus and doesn't need him or the sinful woman who knows she needs his forgiveness. You're one of those two people. Which one? Which one are you today? Well, Steve, I mean, we've got to judge someplace, sometime, right? Yeah, it's true. Sometimes we have to judge. Is that true? Yeah, sometimes we've got to, that's good or that's bad. We have the truth. We decide who to, when to hire somebody, don't we? If you're a boss. You decide, decide when to let somebody go. Those are judgments. Decide when to work with a client and when not to, right? It's a judgment. Jesus said, by your fruits you will know them. He said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Those are judgments. There are some times where we have to assess the situation. So I want to bring some clarity here real quickly. Don't judge means, right? Write it down. Don't judge means these four things. Here's what don't judge means. Don't judge broadly. Don't judge broadly. Don't make broad accusations of people. The further it is from you, the less of an opinion you're going to have about it. All right? You don't have to have a huge opinion about something that isn't happening in your proximity. You don't have to judge other people. Never judge broadly. 
1 Peter 4.17 says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. It should start here first. It should start with yourself first, right? Judge yourself correctly. And then maybe help somebody in your small group if they would be willing and you have a good relationship with them to, to say, to speak some truth into their life in a godly way. This next one is really huge. This is probably like the whole message. Here it is. Never judge motives. Never, ever, 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 ever judge motives. That is so hard. Never say, I know why she did that. With your husband, man? That just. I mean, how do you do that? I've been living with Kimberly for 21 years, right? I know why she's doing that. Never say that. You don't know. You want to get God fired up? You want to set him off? You want to know what really sets him off? When you try to do his job. Don't do his job. Sure, you can see the behavior, but you can hardly even assess that correctly. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Do not look on the appearance, right? For the Lord sees what? The heart, right? God judges the heart. We look on the outside, God judges the heart. That's his territory. That's his character. Don't try to be God. Let God do his thing. That's God's territory. We should stay out of it. Maybe it would help you to say it. I don't know. Go ahead. You don't know. You just don't know. And I don't either. But God does. This third one, never judge quickly. Never judge quickly. Don't judge means don't judge broadly, don't judge motives, and don't judge quickly. You don't have all the facts. You don't have all the details. You probably have to ask a million questions, and even then you won't know it all, right? So don't judge quickly. Don't make quick judgments. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things that are now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive the condemnation from God. It's pretty clear, eh? God's the judge, not us. This last thing, never judge harshly. Man, that hurts. Sorry, babe. Sorry, Noah. Sorry, Tate. I just ah, have that propensity to be harsh. To come down with authority and to say this is the way it is. Never judge, judge harshly. I pray that I can learn that lesson this week. Judge it, judgment. The Bible says judgment is without mercy to the one who has no mercy, to one who shows no mercy. a pretty tough message we welcome without judgment but it's a good thing we want to welcome all people without judgment and i want to be known as a forgiven sinner and broken over my own need for christ's welcome and when i have that well 
He says, I entered your house and you gave me no water. She has wet my, te- uh, wet my feet with her tears and you gave me no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many. How many sins? Tons of sins. I'm in that category. Tons of sins, all forgiven, right? All gone. Verse 48, let's just finish with this. What a great moment. He says, your sins are forgiven. Do you see it there? And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives even sins? He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the places she'd been? All the men she'd been with? All the things that had come out of her mouth or that she had done? Can you imagine? God's saying it's all done. It's all gone. It's all over. That's astounding. That's astounding. That's the grace that's been given to me, Jesus Christ has forgiven it all. So when we talk about this is what we do, here's the fourth point. Are we like Jesus, welcoming without judgment all who come to our church? Are we like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. I want to welcome everybody that comes regardless of who they are, what they look like, if they have a lot of money, if they don't, I don't care. Right? I want to welcome them without judgment. So let me just say this. To all races in our church, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. To all sexual orientations attending our church today, we need Christ's forgiveness too. We do. To all people, rich and poor, you are welcome here without judgment. And you always will be. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that forgave the sins of this prostitute would forgive your sins today as well. Freely. All you need to do is come. Takes courage. Takes some boldness. How many stares, glaring stares did she have to endure? How many people were scoffing at her? She would not turn back. Because she knew the love the welcome, the forgiveness she would have in Christ Jesus. That's how we come. We come like that. So I thought we could close our service taking communion. Guys, come on down. I thought we could close our service taking communion like that. I want you to get your heart around that. 
that we come simple, that we come broken. We're not better than anybody else. I think it's good to do business with the Lord this way. God welcomes you without judgment. Whatever sin you have, wherever you live, whatever you drive, wherever you work, we all have the same disease. It's called sin. And there's one remedy for that disease. And we've found it in Jesus Christ. His love, His grace, His forgiveness for our sin. And so, all that we need, we found in Him. And that's why we offer it to you, right? We offer you Christ. I offer you Christ right now. His body broken for you. His blood spilled for you. Maybe you've never come into to communion that way. Maybe you thought communion was, this is a thing I do for God. No, 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 no. Communion is something Jesus Christ did for us 2,000 plus years ago. He died. His blood shed for our sins. His body broken so that we can be loved and welcomed without judgment. This is what we do. Let's go out and do it. Let's welcome people without judgment. Let's invite people to church you thought you'd never invite. Because you know when they get here, we're all going to be like, ah, oh, we're so glad you're here. As Brent sings, let's take communion. Make sure you use the resources for small group this week. They're really good and grow in our welcome without judgment.